If I recall, Daniel was the one who won last year. So we're going to beat up on him, all right? Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. That's our address today in God's word. Would you turn there with me? Page 1353, if you're going to follow along with us and that Bible under the seat in front of you. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Lord, what a wonderful blessing it is to have a few moments together here on a beautiful Sunday morning. Being able to join together and sing your praise. And then being free to open your word and read it and learn from it. Lord, I pray you'd give your people deep insight. I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us in the faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I would characterize our passage this morning as the very heart of the entire book of Colossians. This is the key passage. This passage basically sums up everything in the letter that Paul wants Christians to know, to do, and to beware of. So let's read this passage together very carefully. And as you read or hear it, Remember that the Lord is speaking to you directly as a Christian. Verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware. Lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That's so good. What does Paul want us to know as Christians? Well, verse 7 says that he wants us to be established in the faith as you have been taught. Christian, you are to be established in the faith. Now here, in this context, the faith refers to all of the Christian faith, the bedrock foundational doctrines and principles of the Christian faith as taught by the Apostle Paul and all the other apostles now fully contained in the New Testament. You're to know the New Testament. 
We are to be avid, lifelong students of the Bible, knowing the New Testament, and I would add the Old Testament as well. And you know that as a church, we are absolutely committed to the teaching of God's word. But it's more than just knowing it. Paul says, I want you to be established in it. Settled in it. Fixed in it. Fully confident in it. Not moving from it. So Paul would say to us as Christians, know the Christian faith and stay there. Be fixed in it. And that's a really good warning because you're going to meet people from time to time who will say, you know, I've gone beyond the Bible. In fact, I met a guy once. He said, you know, I graduated from the Bible. I've gone to these newer, deeper things. And I was like, wow, I'm impressed. No, I was like, I walked away. There will be people that will try to add to the Bible or change the Bible or take away from the Bible. Now, you, you know it the way it's taught, the way it's written, and stay fixed. And then there's going to be people that will say, well, you know, the Bible needs to change with culture as it changes. The Bible needs to adapt. You know, a lot's happened over the last 2,000 years. And the Bible, you know, we need to update the Bible. No, the Bible does not change with the times. Amen? It's just as true today the way it is written. It is just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. You're to know it and be established in it. And then notice that Paul is also very concerned, and I would say most concerned, that we know who Jesus is. You know, Jesus is the center of the Bible. The Christian faith is about the person of Jesus Christ. And notice what Paul says about Jesus in verse 9. An amazing verse. In him Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What does that tell us about Jesus? He's fully divine. He's God. He's not just some religious leader that showed up in history. In fact, he is the son of God who took upon himself a body. It's called the incarnation. And that verse that says, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. Jesus, the God-man. And then, of course, the scripture goes on to teach that Jesus came here. His mission was to make it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins. So he died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again the third day. And just like the story that we talked about, he rose again, he's ascended, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is your acting high priest today. One day he's coming back. We are to know who Jesus is. And really, everything about the Bible, it, it points to the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible's like a telescope. If a man looks through his telescope, he sees worlds beyond. But if he looks at his telescope, 
He does not see anything but that. Your Bible is like a telescope that as you're learning all of the faith, it's pointing you so that you can see Jesus and know who he is. So Paul would say, here's what I want you to know as a Christian. And this is to be your lifelong objective. Because it takes many lifetimes to learn all this. Know and be established in the Christian faith as received in the scriptures and know who Jesus is. All right, so now what does Paul encourage us to do in this passage? Well, for Paul, Christianity was all about what you do with Jesus. See, the Christian faith is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship that you enter into and then grow and progress in. Paul said it's all about what you do with Jesus. Now, what are we supposed to do with Jesus? Well, it all starts by receiving him. Verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. We're to receive Jesus. Literally, take Jesus to yourself personally. You're to receive him. Now, certainly the New Testament teaches that we are to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again. We must come before him, admit our sinfulness, and ask him to be our Savior, to receive Jesus as our Savior. Most everyone in that church at Colossae had probably done that. I really hope that most everyone here this morning has received Jesus as Savior. You've been saved through faith in him. But you notice the emphasis here, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. We're to receive Christ Jesus the Lord. Have you received him personally as the Lord? The Lord of your life the boss, the one who calls all the shots? Have you surrendered your life in every area of life? Are you in submission to the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? Paul says, receive him as Lord. You know, I think there's a lot of Christians and and they got this superficial view of Christianity and they, 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 they've received Jesus as Savior and they've, they've heard that invitation and they've opened their heart and they've received Christ and they think, well, that's just all it is. Okay, now I've got my fire insurance. And now I'm just going to live the rest of my life the way I live it. No, that's, that's, not, the Christian, that's not the Christian life. You receive Christ as your Savior, and he changes you. And you can't believe how blessed you are. And you determine, I'm going to serve him for the rest of my life. Have you received the Lord, Jesus Christ, into your heart? 
In a church service one Sunday, the offering plate came to a little girl at the end of a row, and she took the plate, put it down on the floor, and stood in it. The usher asked her what she's doing, and she responded, in Sunday school, I learned that I was supposed to give myself to God. She's got it right. It's like the big offering plate comes your way and you step in it. Be my Lord. Here's my life. Paul says Christianity is about receiving Christ not only as Savior, but receiving him as Lord. Goes on to say, verse 6, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What are we to do with Jesus as Christians? Walk in him. Peri pateo in Greek. Peri, we get around, perimeter, pateo to walk. It means to walk about, to walk around. The way you walk around in life. You know, we do a lot of walking in life, don't we? In fact, we have these devices today that tell us how many steps we took every day. How many miles we walk every day. My average over the last year was 9,651 steps every day. 4.4 miles every day. And that's, I think that's pretty much average. So where are we taking all our steps every day? We're, well, we're walking into supermarkets and restaurants and in our neighborhood and in our community and we're walking into schools and and into church. We're walking all over. And we're interacting with people all day long. Paul says, take every step in Jesus. The idea is to walk means the way you live your life on a day-by-day basis in the daily routine and grind of life. Not on Sunday mornings. Not at special events, but the real you on Monday morning. The way you operate at work. We're to walk in Jesus, which means recognize, be mindful that Jesus is with you, always. That you walk with him and that as a Christian you represent him. And you're seeking to be a witness for him. Walk in him. Verse 7, Paul says, I'd like you to be rooted in him. What a beautiful illustration of your relationship with Jesus Christ, rooted in him. We all know the importance of roots going down deep, deep and wide into the good soil so that the tree or the plant or the flower is beautiful and healthy and productive. You could think of your life as kind of a seed, and when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you asked him to be your savior, you were planted in the rich soil of Jesus Christ. And as a Christian, you're to send your roots down deep and wide into the person 
of Jesus Christ. Now, this is speaking about, as Christians, we need to nourish and protect our personal relationship with Christ. You know, when you become a Christian, the Bible says you start as a babe. And it's very important that we grow in our knowledge, our personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that happens as you you walk with him, you read the Bible to get to know him better, your time of prayer, your time of interaction with other Christians. You're sending roots deep down. And the more rooted you become, the more beautiful your life can be. I read this week that with some trees, a general rule is that the visible spread of the branches is roughly equal to the invisible spread of the roots. The deeper and more widespread our roots in Christ, the greater shade, fruit, and beauty we provide. Jesus used a similar analogy in John chapter 15 when he said to his disciples, and this is what he said to his disciples, like this is the big thing, this is what I want you to do. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. See, when Jesus says abide in me, stay tapped into me. Stay connected to me. Be rooted in me. Learn of me. And I'll produce fruit in your life. Christianity isn't about, you know, us as Christians running around trying to produce our own fruit. It's staying connected to the Lord Jesus Christ and having him produce that fruit. Receive Jesus, walk in him, be rooted. Verse 7, be built up in him. Now here's another beautiful illustration of, of your relationship with Jesus Christ. As a Christian, Jesus is the foundation of your life. Now what's the most important part of a building, a house, a structure? The TV room? The foundation. Everything rests upon the foundation. Paul says Jesus is your foundation in life and you should build everything in your life, everything upon him. So you build your marriage upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Build your parenting. Build your business. Build your finances. Build your friendships. Build everything about your life on the beautiful foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. As you do that, you'll find that Jesus will build your life. And Jesus is a great builder. And everything that you allow him to touch in your life, he'll build it. Submit all of that, again, to the Lordship. Of him, And as you build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, I mean, that's the thing. This is my life. I got one shot, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build every part of it on Jesus. 
oh man, you're going to be safe and protected. I'm reminded of the way Jesus finished his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, he said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You know, even as a Christian, you can get in a lot of trouble in this life. When you start to build other things, pieces of your life, on a foundation other than Christ Jesus, it's going to fall. So you see, Paul, for Paul, Christianity really isn't about a bunch of things that you do. It's more about the person that you pursue. And we are to pursue a personal relationship with Christ Jesus. You are to be absolutely dependent upon him. You receive him as Savior. You receive him as Lord. You walk in him. You dig down deep into him. And you build up high upon him. That's what Christianity is about. What are you going to do with Jesus? So it's about how do I please Jesus? How do I obey Jesus? How do I? He's done so much for me. Shouldn't I just give him my life back? Look what Paul says in verse 10. This is beautiful. And you, Christian, are complete in him. Christian, you are complete in him. Complete is the same word that's translated fullness up in verse 9. In Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are completely full in him. Christ completes you. He is absolutely and completely sufficient to complete you here and forever. You're complete. You know, I, I have the pleasure of leading a lot of folks to, to the Lord Jesus in counseling or in sometimes here during a service or after a service. And, and there's always there's a reaction when somebody receives Christ. I've noticed different reactions but they're all similar first you know someone will say how do you feel and they'll say well i feel so relieved the burden of my sin has been lifted i feel clean or i've also heard people say i can see i feel like these blinders came off now i can i promise you give your life to christ you'll be able to see the lights turn on and you feel that burden lifted. But I've also asked people, how do you feel? And you know what they'll say? They'll say, I found it. I found it. I'm complete. 
The search is over. And you know what? You should feel that way. Because God created you to know him. That's your purpose. And you're incomplete until you find God through faith in Jesus Christ. And he will complete you. There are so many people that are, are trying, they're running around trying to find all the satisfaction and everything that this world can offer. And they say, well, if I can make that first million or that second million, well, then I'll be complete. If I could have that perfect marriage, then I'll be complete. Man, if I could date so-and-so, I'd be complete. If I had this type of career, well, then I'd be complete. No, you won't. You are only complete in Jesus Christ. So my brother and sister in Christ, why would you run off and go looking for other stuff? Why? Paul says, Christianity is pursuing that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're complete in him. Look what he says in verse 8, what to beware of. Important verse. Verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. That's a big word. Beware. Beware. And in the original language, you be on constant alert. Christian, be on constant alert. Beware of what? False teachers that bring false teaching that are contrary to everything that you have in Christ. It says, beware that anyone cheat you through philosophy. Philosophy, the love of wisdom. Now, there, philosophy in itself isn't bad. In fact, as a Christian, you should have a philosophy. A Christian philosophy based on the Bible. Beware of the worldly philosophy. The worldly explanations for how we all got here. What's after this life? You know, according to the world, you're supposed to love yourself. And look out for yourself and take care of self. And the Bible says, you're supposed to deny yourself. You're supposed to obliterate yourself. You're supposed to be selfless and be Christ-centered and look out for others. You want all of the happiness that you were created for? Put Jesus first and others second and you come last. And the world says, no, you look out for yourself. Lots of philosophy that goes against Christian philosophy. Beware of empty deceit. This would speak of all of the different religious alternatives. All the different explanations for spiritual truth. All of them empty, I promise you. You only find fullness, overflowing fullness in Christ. You're complete in him. It says, 
beware of those empty deceits and philosophies according to the tradition of men. All of the religious tradition, all of the different things that people believe that will get you close to God or guarantee you heaven when you die, all the religious hoops that people try to walk through. And and lots of religions have it. I've told you before about the five pillars of Islam. If you're in Islam, you've got to keep these five pillars. Profession of faith daily. Every day you say there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is the messenger of God. So say that every day. Pray facing Mecca five times a day. Give alms when it's time. Do fasting. And once in your lifetime, take a pilgrimage to Mecca. Now, if you keep all those pillars, that doesn't guarantee you paradise. It gives you a better shot at it. Who wants that? And and then all of the different Christian traditions. Traditions of churches, all these different rituals and things that people do. You know, there's a lot of people that practice tradition of men and they don't even know what it means. But we're going to do it because... We've always done it, and that's going to give me points with God. Will it? A lot of times we don't even know why there are traditions. In 1903, the Russian czar noticed a sentry posted for no apparent reason on the Kremlin grounds. Upon inquiry, he discovered that in 1776, Catherine the Great found there the first flower of spring, and she said, post a sentry here so that no one tramples that flower underfoot. And ever since that time, some sentry was planted there. Why? How many things that do we do based purely on tradition that make no sense today? And yet there are many philosophies, religious thought systems, They place a high dollar on tradition. Paul says, beware of that. He says, beware of philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world. The elementary principles of this world, uh, the rudiments, the building blocks of this world. So there's a lot of you know, philosophy that's based upon, just to put, it all, put it all here. Life is about eating and drinking and reproducing and getting old and dying. Just put it all here. Just stay basic. In ancient Greece, this term was also used to speak of element spirits of the universe, the angels that influence the heavenly body. So there could also be a mystical um, sense to what Paul is saying. So beware of astrology. Beware of the occult. Beware of witchcraft. Beware of sorcery. Beware, beware of the new age crystal powers. Beware of all that, Paul says. Because it will damage you. In fact, Paul says in verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you. 
all of that will cheat you from all the riches that you have available in Christ Jesus. You've been given so much. You have everything in him. You're complete in him. Don't get ripped off. Don't be cheated. Don't be cheated out of everything that God wants for you. Stay put. Another translation of this is, beware lest anyone take you captive. These things will take you captive. Now, when I was 10 years old, I went to a church and I heard a pastor give an illustration on this very verse. And I've never forgotten it since 10. And that's only been about 20 years ago, but still. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) As a kid at 10, never forgot this. And you'll never will either. He used the illustration of a lion in a cage at the zoo. So you got this lion in a cage at the zoo. Now that lion's got it pretty good, right? Three squares, hanging out. But it has been taken captive. And will that lion ever become the lion that it really could be? No, because it's been taken out of its natural habitat. So yes, the lion's safe. The lion's in a controlled spot. But it will never reach its full potential. There are philosophies that take you away from where you belong. They'll put you in a cage. Oh, they may take care of you. You know, a lot of people like to live with a bunch of religious rules and hoops around them. Might look all great. It might be a carefully controlled environment for you. But you will not become who you are intended to be as a Christian. You'll be cheated. You'll be cheated. Beware. Beware of that. You know, you could summarize this passage that summarizes the whole book of Colossians with the phrase that I chose to entitle our message by this morning. Stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. You are complete in him. Receive him as Lord. Walk in him. Be rooted in him. Build upon him. Don't let anyone or anything or any philosophy take you away from that. Father, I pray that we would be well-guarded Lord, I pray that we would keep the main thing, the main thing in our lives. Always. I pray, Lord, that 
our faith would be about who we pursue. And I pray that we would pursue you with great passion. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning and um, you did. You had that mindset. Jesus is my savior and I'm going to go do whatever I want to do now. You know, it's a waste of life. It is. Think about what Jesus can do with your life. Build upon him. Let him be Lord. So maybe you really need to just surrender your life to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. That maybe you've never done that. Maybe you should right now. call upon you to do that. Maybe you're here as a Christian and uh, Christianity's just become a little bit too religious. It's all about all these activity things you do and you've forgotten that it's about the pursuit of a person. And I would invite you to, to return to your first love. Turn to your first love. Maybe you're going through some difficult times as a Christian. Maybe you're tempted to walk away. No, stick with Jesus. Stick with him. Perhaps you're here this morning and your journey with Christ has not yet begun because you've never received him personally as your Savior. It all starts there. Have you received him? Have you taken him to yourself? He died on the cross for you. Personally, receive him personally. I'd like to lead you in a prayer if you've not yet done that. Let the journey begin right now for you, just in the quietness of your heart. Say, Lord, right now I receive you. Jesus, be my Savior, and then be my Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. Walk with me and help me to walk in you Jesus' name, amen.